Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. go episode 165 we get cookies at 170 right uh, i'm thinking maybe brownies okay that's fine. is that does that work i'm all right with brownies, I don't know, that'll brownies. Work. not special brownies just brownies they'll have extra it's chocolate no fun extra chocolate no brownies. fun no fun no? Well, <laughs> no, nobody, I, nobody ever said I, I was fun. I have never maxed out on chocolate yet, so uh, okay. by all, all right. means. All right. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. And Snowmageddon Part 2. It is It is the icy tundra of upon the Midwest yes. today. Uh, one quick note that has just come across the internet George Perez has officially announced his retirement. He's done. He's got, he's going to do a very very limited number of convention appearances mm-hmm. this year. Stuff that he'd already obligated to and and very very few uh sketches commissions. How old is he now? I don't know, but he's been he's been dealing with so many different issues with his heart and yeah. diabetes and so many health issues. And he says, "Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. I make enough on royalties that I'm okay." Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's Which has been a real concern for a lot of creators, a lot of yeah. a lot of artists who have have made it to health issues or old age and have found they've really been struggling with finances. And that's that's probably that could be something that <clears throat> we t- that we talk about as a as a topic at some point yeah. is is this the state of the comics industry now versus then in terms mm-hmm. of how how creators are taken care of and how they're not. So um, I have uh, I have a confused look on our engineer's face at the moment. It's Uh-oh. because uh, our our microphones are set to where they don't go into the headphones right now because that's 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 where that echo was coming from. Uh-oh. Those of you who've actually sat and watched any of our previous shows, um, well, any of, our, any of our previous shows since we came back. It says we yeah since we came back right. yeah because we've had to just refigure everything. Uh, from from the get go, but uh, but yeah, we we tracked we finally tracked down where that echo was coming from. Mm-hmm. Whenever we did an interview, or we had people coming in, you know, calling in, we're using Zoom software for the for the mm-hmm. video conferencing, right? And we had the echo during Tardis Sauce. Mm-hmm. We've had the echo during Good Morning Multiverse. It was just bugging me. I was like, where is it coming from? Finally tracked it down, but it means that we don't hear ourselves on headphones now mm-hmm. for the microphone. So as long as I get the little winky blinkies on the on the software display, we're I guess okay. we're good. Right. I guess we're all right. We'll so find out. We'll find out. Discussion. That's what he says now. He's <laughs> met us more. though. A little so. more a little more focus. Uh last the last H2O, time we were here. now with more dig- more digressions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Well and and one of the things 
interesting. Our uh, our picture. Oh, there it is. Okay, there it is. And I, we do have sound, so we're good. good. All, right. All right. Checking on the fly, folks. This is live TV. So a um, couple of weeks ago, we did our episode on the legacy and the influence mm-hmm. of Stan Lee. Right. And we kind of wandered far afield a little bit. But really, in terms of Stan Lee's influence and impact, he really did have an influence on a lot of things other than just the Marvel comics. So it oh, wasn't yeah. too terrible a discussion that we had but this time wasn't we're keep too it a terrible bit. a discussion <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement folks <laughs> well you know wow <laughs> remember i'm not the fun one <laughs> i just i just sit here and... which by default makes me the fun one which is not a good thing <laughs> <laughs> i'm also i'm most... also not the pretty one so you know that's that's, that's oh speaking not... of speaking of which mm, yeah. you will find this rather amusing will i know yes okay so a few weeks ago there was this internet chatter about tumblr Mm, yeah, yeah. And about how Tumblr had finally decided that they were going to clean up their act. Sure, right. And get rid of all of the unsavory stuff, mm. right? <laughs> More so, adult-oriented material. Yes. yes. And, and things got flagged and things got mm-hmm. yeah. banned and deleted and hidden and suppressed and all this other stuff. And right after that... There was a lot of internet chatter about, hey, Tumblr, this isn't adult stuff. Why are you flagging this? Right, this yeah, is a uh-huh. this is a picture of a desert. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was just crazy stuff. Yeah, the algorithm right. just hit all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. We got flagged. Now Four. we don't we don't use Tumblr at all right. anymore because it's just there's no there's no purpose behind it. Yeah, it, it never never it never for a lot of folks it's been a fantastic way to get their artwork out and their photography. Right. Um, a lot of a lot of folks on the modeling side have been been hurt pretty badly by this decision. But we got flagged um, for this photograph of the back of one of my dining chairs in the camera. <laughs> and I don't know if you if you see this very much. Oh, we we wow. may we may post <clears throat> these over on our Instagram channel. And then we got flagged for this photograph it's a montage of all of us do recording a a podcast did they say why it was flagged no they don't they don't give an indication they don't give an indication it says here it looks like your post might be in violation of our community guidelines and is now hidden now there's a button here that says appeal so you Mm -hmm. can appeal to sure and say hey this isn't whatever which i did of Mm -hmm. course of course right and i got the email back saying yep you're right this is an adult content but i suppose it's the shape of the microphone uh, the shape be. of, the, of yeah. the post coming up off the back I mean, of the if chair. I, I mean, if I, I took off my glasses and squinted. And yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. looked at it sideways. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's crazy stuff. <laughs> <sighs> Computers are very, very useful, but. They're it's useful a, idiots. It's a garbage in, garbage out. I mean, it it's, is. It's, and it's it tough is. to do when you're, when you're trying to build that kind of program. Where you're going to go through and look at how many photographs? Oh. Millions and millions of photographs on Tumblr. And 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 as far as Facebook goes, I want to I want to just just throw this out there because we've seen all of this ten year challenge thing yeah. recently. I, you know, here's what I look like ten years ago, and here's what I look like now. Stop doing that because you're teaching the Facebook algorithm how to recognize how you age. You are giving them more data they can sell. You are making yourself more marketable as a product. Quit it. Yeah, until you're getting paid for it. Which we're not. Right, exactly. So Nobody gets paid for <clears throat> putting stuff on 
basement. Stop doing that. <laughs> we do have a hashtag <laughs> for exactly anybody the that same wants to. Grayer. Yeah. Well, what about? I'm heavier. Her pounds heavier. Yeah. Uh, if if you do want to connect with us on social media, though, we do have a hashtag H two O. We're on Facebook. We're on Facebook. <laughs> We're on Twitter, although we use those very specific, excuse me, very specifically for purposes. Right. I mean, yeah. we're on Pinterest, and that's cosplay centric. Mm-hmm. We're on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is more for putting out links and sharing things. Sure, sure. Instagram, we've got a lot of behind the scenes photos that we do, and mm-hmm. you know, post some videos there. We post videos over on Facebook, and uh, and we'll be using Instagram TV. A little bit more. We've got some stuff, some new content that's going to be rolling out there. But as far as just using social media just to be social media, mm-hmm. um, we, it's very limited. We're not on we're not on Tumblr anymore. I mean, the the Tumblr account is still there, but we're not posting anything new to it. It's just we've we've shut it and, down. And for, There's no use for it. Yeah, for, for for a lot of people that it's been a very very useful tool. For us, it just doesn't happen to have serve much of a purpose with the other platforms right. we have. So. Right, because we've actually been able to come up with a specific way to use each other channel. Mm-hmm. So uh, Facebook and Instagram are more for behind the scenes stuff. Um, and like I said, Pinterest is all the cosplay. So right. we're we're trying to stay focused a little bit more as we roll all of this stuff out. Um, and if you go and look at my 30 pages of notes, you'll see all of the strategy for taking over the world. Bwahaha. All right, Pinky. So let's <clears throat> talk about our, our topic. I don't know, Brian, where are we going to find our rhino at this hour of night? <laughs> yeah. Um. William Goldman. William Goldman. Uh, as I'm doing my homework, I'm doing my research, uh, it, it hits me that he's written so many more screenplays that mm. I recognize yeah. than I anticipated. Yeah, he's one of those people who you don't realize the extent of his work. You tend to think about things like The Princess Bride, of course, mm-hmm. which is the big one for so many people. It was such a seminal film for an entire generation. Yes. Um, and it kind of recurs when they have kids and it's going to keep doing that um and some people don't realize it actually was a novel originally right a a novel that's very different from the film it is there's a lot more to it and and i actually that's one of those where you you said you know you talk about you know the novel is you know the book is better than the movie or the movie is better than the book Mm -hmm. or or, you know people make those comparisons all the time when you're looking at adaptations that's one of the few that I can look at and see each of them on mm-hmm. their own merits. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you don't really get to do that very often. Well, there's there's a different kind of humor. It's one of the reasons that things like, say, Douglas Adams has been – we've had a hard time getting Douglas Adams films either made or made in a way that feels like the book or the mm-hmm. radio or the, or the TV show. Oddly enough, you f- dump a ton of money into a Douglas Adams script – and out comes something that isn't funny, necessarily, uh, when compared to the other material. Right. And things like The Princess Bride, where the humor in the book works really, really well on the page. The humor in the film is visual humor and wordplay that is, is designed for actors right. to it's do things dialogue. with. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the fact that they both tell the same story in different ways. Works really, really well if you aren't 
a lot of people end up getting primed. They watch the film and go, I got to read the book. And it's like, this is nothing like, it's just a different way to tell the story. Yeah. Although I kind of, I kind of wish that they'd been able to, to figure out some way to get the rest of the underground caverns and facilities into the movie. I know, yeah. I know it would have been cost prohibitive. There would have oh, been yeah. no way to do it back then. But it would have been really cool to see. See, don't say that too loudly. Someone will think we need a reboot. <clears throat> and you know what no. we don't need? We don't need the Princess Bride rebooted. No, we do not. <laughs> we're we're do good. Not. Thank you. We're we're, fine. It's fine. The Princess Bride and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. Those are the two, uh, if you look at some of the different quotes that William Goldman had from interviews over the years, he said, those are the two, out of all of the different screenplays that he's written, mm-hmm. those are the two that he can look at without humiliation. Right. Not he necessarily basically, basically with pride. hated all of his work. He, he was not, he was never happy with the finished product. Oh, well, there's, there, I'd, I'd say that's much better than saying he hated it. He, he had, he had experiences on films that he did not care for. Right. The Stepford uh, Wives. The Stepford Wives. Um, and there were, per, uh, I'd like, I'd love to see his version of Flowers for Algernon because mm. he wrote a script for it. Oh, right. And they didn't yeah. use it. He wrote, he wrote Cliff scripts Robert, for several Cliff, things that Cliff Robertson didn't, didn't, didn't like. Didn't, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, when you think about it, okay, we're going to, I'm just going to throw, throw a few titles out here. You have at it. All right. So, uh, Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, of course, 1969. Rules in a knife fight. What did there go? Uh, Stepford Wives, which he did not, the finished shooting script bore almost no resemblance to what he had Right, written. and he actually lobbied to get his name taken off of that project. Right, and was not able to. Right. Um, this is one of those little writing, the rules for, for crediting in Hollywood mm. um, can work for you and against you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a great Waldo Pepper marathon man, of course. With... Which, for, for whatever reason, I don't know that I... I don't know that I that I remembered that it was a book. I think I mm-hmm. did after after I saw a book that with it a was, sequel. Well, I didn't even remember. <laughs> I didn't even know that he had written the yeah, book. Right. I knew he did the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Well, people don't think of him think of him necessarily as a novelist. When you think of him as a screenwriter, you don't right. necessarily uh, bridge too far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that movie. It's one of my favorite war films. Uh, All the President's Men. Little picture, right? Little picture about a little you know. One of, his two, one of his two Academy Awards mm-hmm. he, wrote, he got for Best Screenplay for that and Butch Cassidy. Little film called, little crime film called Heat. Which is being re- remade. That's what I hear. Yeah. Does, I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that film. And, and if, uh, now that, was with, that was the one where Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Yeah. And that was the first time those two had been put together in a project yeah and there's everybody a, was like what took so long and there's a fantastic diner scene that neither one of them is actually in at the same time no they're sitting across from a, a diner table talking to each other and they're not actually filming together isn't um oh he played batman val I kilmer in, val kilmer val yeah. kilmer's in that mm-hmm. movie yeah. yeah it's a fantastic cast it's a, it's a great crime picture um let's see the princess bride we may have mentioned that um he was uncredited writer on twins with Danny DeVito and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, Misery, a film uh, based on the Stephen King novel that was Which, widely considered to be unfilmable. Right. Everybody thought, you can't do this movie. You can't do this story as a, as a film. There's no way to write a script that makes it work. Yeah. He did it. He did it. Uh, few and good then he adapted it for stage. Yes, he did. 
with uh, Bruce Willis was in it. Uh, who played Who played the other? Who, oh, for heaven's oh. sakes! Um, hang on, I can get that answer very, very quickly. To the internet. To the internet. Yes, but this is live TV, so yes, to the I internet know. is not something we can just chop out. Well, <laughs> that's true. Um, he so actually da, 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 did da, 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 da. blah 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 blah. Um, where are we here? Bruce Willis, and it, it was a name that I recognized. Yeah, um, I want. I want to. Laura Linney's the name that pops into my head, but it's. Not, I don't think that's right. No, that's 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 not. Uh, anyway, uh, Laurie Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf. I had one, one of the one that's of the right. name right. Uh, yeah, Jason Jason Statham was in a version of Heat called Wild Card. He's he. That's the one. That's the one that's being done. That's oh, the new okay. One. All right. Yeah. I thought it came out earlier than this. Um, let's see here. Uh, I think Few Good Men. He was a consultant on. And he did a lot of consulting work as a writer uh, for, for screenplays. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. And that's the screenplay that actually brought him back to Hollywood. Right. Because it was a long period, basically from um, the 70s, uh, really into the 90s. There were a couple of films in the, in the meantime. But mm-hmm. let's see, Princess Bride was 87, Twins was 88. Um, but then there was this gap. And for a while, he just went back to writing novels because he wasn't getting any work. Because he was he teaching pre- for a while too. Yeah, he uh, he had, he'd written several scripts that did not get made, and unfortunately, if you write a bunch of scripts and no one makes them, they stop calling. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it works. Uh, but then you know, Princess Bride came along, and everyone's like, oh, "I've got his number somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> um, You're the Comet. Remember that one? Not to be confused with Night of the Comet. Right. Very different films. Very. <laughs> Uh, Chaplin, a film that um, Robert Downey Jr. was one of the films that was keeping his career alive while he was trying very, very hard to destroy it before yes. his resurgence with Iron Man. Indecent Proposal, he was uncredited on Indecent Proposal, and that's a, another s- seminal film that is just burnt into the yeah. the psyche. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder. When we talk about you know being a script doctor. You remember the the stories about Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a script doctor as right, well yeah. and being uncredited. That, that is a big piece that nobody really talks about mm-hmm. in the filmmaking process because you have, like you said, you've got the rules. The Writers Guild rules have, have certain ways of doing things. If you do X amount of work on a project, you get X type of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, but for script doctors, they they generally, you know, 90, 95% go completely unacknowledged. Oh, yeah, Nobody they're, even knows that they're involved. It's basically a contract job. You're called in. To I've got this script. It almost works, but it doesn't. You know, you're, you're hiring a fixer to come in and go. Yeah, right. Like like a, a stunt screenwriter, kind of, or a screenwriter body double, <laughs> or something. Right. Um, he uh, he was an uncredited in one of my favorite films that nobody loves, Last Action Hero. The football one, football and guns. <laughs> no, that's the last Boy Scout. Last, oh, that's yeah, that's right. Um, and that is a film I have a. I I should not like that movie because it's not a good movie, uh, and it's full of really really terrible views on about everything. Everybody in that film is awful. Well, sure, but it's also a ridiculously entertaining film about terrible people. Well, and some some of the best. And movies, I feel bad about that. <laughs> some of the best movies have the worst people in them. Char- oh, yeah. character wise. Yeah. No, Last Action Hero was the Arnold Schwarzenegger meta film, where he plays right. 
the uh, he plays the action right action yeah and um, for those of you who want to know where Gandalf got his origin, uh, there is a beautiful bit uh, in uh, Last Action Hero, and I want to make sure I credit the uh, the scene exactly right. Oh uh, yeah, Charles dances in that. For those of you, you Game of Thrones fans, he's the bad guy back when he was young and had red hair. Mm. Um, and I've never uh, been young. Seventh Seal. That's that's the one I was going to knew was going to mess it up. Uh, there's a wonderful riff on the Seven Seal, um, with an appearance of a uh, a fellow that you you may have heard of a couple of three times, uh, a guy named Ian McKellen. It was kind of his first big American exposure, playing Death. <laughs> oh, that's right. And he's got this great speech where he looks at at the the young protagonist and goes, "You're awfully brave." Fortunately, you're not terribly bright. If I was you, I'd find the other half of that ticket. <laughs> and it's just this fantastic, fantastic moment. And I, I'm, I really enjoyed that film. I feel, I feel like somehow uh, John McTiernan directed that. Well, sure. Well, John McTiernan directed all of the action movies back then in in that time period. And I think I mean, it was, I think he, it direct, had, he directed Hunt for Rod October, if mm-hmm. I remember. Right. I think if it came out now, it would have a better audience because we're we're more into that sort of meta, you know, the the Black Mare audience would yeah. appreciate something like Last Action Hero. Unfortunately, the time to make that kind of movie was in the eighties and nineties when it was the action movie thing, and right. I just it, it was one of those films that just didn't have a a place to be. Uh, it's not a perfect movie, but if you haven't seen it and you love action movies, uh, first of all, just to watch the cameos, the sheer number of people who are in that movie. Is there a perfect movie? No. No, there's there's films that dance to the edge. Back to the Future is close. Casablanca. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. No, I the just, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Uh, the first Star Wars more than anything else, but I'm going to qualify that because I think if you were of a certain age mm-hmm. and you saw it in the theater when it was new, because when it, it was Star Wars, when it changed not Star Wars Episode Four: <laughs> A New Hope, I never pass up an opportunity to do that. Because um, some some of the films I think that end up being perfect to us are tied into who we are and where we saw them. I will always have a fondness for an emotional fondness for Labyrinth that my older self looking at the actual production of the film and how it actually looks um, and some of the effects works can go, uh, but I mean, there's just something about that film. So yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things like that where, where the answer is yes, but, and I'm pretty sure that you can get, you can get, you know, Film critic knife fight. If you, if you throw out some titles you think are perfect. I mean, the untouchables. (laughs) Oh, that's that's a really really good film. It's I'd say it's up there. I mean, it's um, you know people would argue that that Indiana Jones has the perfect screenplay. I mean, it's it's mm, such a yeah. it's it's textbook. I mean, it literally is used in classes to show how to write you know an action film or a, an adventure movie. Right. Um, Silverado is a good one. Silverado is a great one. Yeah. So I mean, there's all kinds of films, and some of them are are ones that didn't necessarily get a lot of of love in the theater. Or in some cases, love and love from the critics. The thing is probably uh, the thing or Alien. 
think and Alien are probably like the defining horror science fiction films. Right. Um, neither one got a lot of love by the critics. Well, um, but I, came to be appreciated later on. That's pretty common, though. I think with 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 genre stuff, mm-hmm. especially because the intelligentsia in the critic circles don't seem to think that science fiction and fantasy require a whole lot of thought to create this story. Well, I think they're not literary. There's there's some of that. I think there's I think shallow and I think some people some of the critics don't necessarily look view them as serious films. Right. Um because they're fantasy films or they're you know, about robots or spaceships or whatever. There's also, and, and I think it's less of, of an intelligentsia thing sometimes, it comes down to people not recognizing, it, com- it com- comes across at a time and it does something so different, there's mm-hmm. no way to put it in context. That was one of the things, the problems that The Thing ran into, yeah. is that nobody had made a film like it. There was nothing, there was no precedent for that kind of hyper-violent, hyper-realistic, Puppet work. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, you know, there was no, nobody has, was making that kind of story. So there was no, there was no priming. So it was like out of nowhere. And I think sometimes you hit films like that um, where, and to some degree, The Princess Bride, I think, plays into that a little bit because what was the last fantasy film before Princess Bride that you can think of? Dragonheart? Maybe? I mean, I'm not even sure that that came out before. Excalibur? Yeah, and Excalibur was a bomb. Excalibur yeah. is, is widely loved by a lot of people, and it's a gorgeous movie, but it did not do well. Right. Um, um, that's a good question, mm-hmm. um, because you'd have to go back quite a ways to get into... Now, you had fantasy on television, sure, but nothing in the theater. What, what would have been before The Princess Bride? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly can't think of any. I mean, there's. I'm sure there I, was. I'm drawing a blank. But I think there's a, also a fairly large gap in in some of this stuff. I mean, remember that was it the 70s or early 80s that we got um, the animated Lord of the Rings 70s, right? Yeah, which did not do well. Like 74, 75. Yeah, that, so, you're talking about the Bashki one. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, there's the Princess Bride. You know, for for a long time, fantasy films were just not getting made. Right, you know, the Star Wars came along at a point where science fiction films just weren't getting made. You know, these are these, sometimes these things just hit the right point, and I think that in some respects, because Princess Bride is first and foremost a comedy. Mm-hmm. Second, it's a love story, a love story between uh, uh, Wesley and Buttercup, but also between a grandfather and a son, the the the, the, the love of family, um, and, and then it's a fantasy movie, right? You know, but uh, no. and it's a movie also about Maoists. <laughs> Maoists is what brings us together. Uh, hey. um, oh, Goodwill Hunting. He consulted on. Did he? Yeah, little picture uh, that started two fairly successful gentlemen's careers. Well, <laughs> there's uh, no. ben, ben Affleck or the other one. The other Ben Affleck, or the other one. Yeah. That, what's his name? That guy. He has. Yeah, he, he's got a film or two. He's been on TV a couple of three times. It's, yeah. Um, Although nowadays Affleck seems to be doing a lot, a little bit better than Damon. Um, but yeah, but Damon is still like considered like the, one of the nicest guys in Hollywood. Really, he keeps showing up on TV, and everybody loves him. I don't know. I don't know. Do you hear some of his? 
political rants. You, you well, would political think. political rants. I don't have anything to do whether or not you're nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, they, they, they might, but they don't have to. Anyway, uh, Fierce Creatures. Fierce Creatures was a massive disappointment to anyone who went to the theater. Do you know what Fierce oh, Creatures is? Man, I re- I remember. It's the not sequel, but had the same cast from a fish, fish called, called Wanda. Wanda. Right. You know, hilarious movie, Fish Called Wanda. Fierce Creatures, not, not so, so much. much. <laughs> An amazing amount of talent in that film, and it was relentlessly unfunny. I mean, it was just. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, they managed to suck all the joy out of those talented people. They probably didn't listen to William Goldman when he said, <laughs> hey, make not. it funny. Uh, uh, Hearts in Atlantis, Dreamcatcher, two, two big Stephen King novels. Um, Hearts of it in Atlantis, I think, was a pretty good adaptation. Dreamcatcher, unfortunately... <laughs> has been widely considered one of the lesser, let's just call it one of the lesser adaptations of Stephen yeah. King's work. Um, and I'm going to argue that it's the second half of the film. The first half of the film stays pretty close to the book. The second half goes way afield. Just takes a hard yeah, left it's, turn. It, and... you, can, you can sort of wave the novel at the second half of the film <laughs> and go, yeah, that, that's good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, this is... These are so many things, and I'm not, I didn't even read off all of them. I mean, and he, like I said, he did a, an adaptation of Flowers for Algernon that never got made. Um, a, a Ross MacDonald novel, The Chill, that he did in 77, mm-hmm. uh, that didn't get made. Um, uh, Grand Hotel, The Sea Kings, uh, with Sean Connery was supposed to play Blackbeard in that. Didn't get made. Can oh, you imagine? That, that would have been. That would have been so cool. Uh, a version of the right stuff. He wrote. He wrote the early version of the script. I, I read about that, and his script didn't get used because Goldman didn't want to focus on Chuck Yeager. I read. Right. Yeah. And uh, and oh well, you know, Shazam. The new one that's coming out. Uh, no, a version he wrote in two in uh, two thousand and three. So, Did not know yeah, about that one. Well, yeah. see, and and that that was about the same time that um, George Miller was working on a Justice League, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Because he, I think so. Yeah, Miller, Miller yeah, had yeah. something about what two thousand four, two thousand five for Justice League. Yeah, he even had a cast. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Army Hammer supposed to play Batman in that one? Oh uh, yeah, he was. Yeah. It was a much younger cast, and than they oh, yeah. ultimately went with. Um, it was. All kind of giving sort of a twenties Justice League. But can you Your imagine CW. George Miller doing a Justice League? Movie? Yes, yes, I can. <laughs> we want that. Now. This is we the guy who. The this is the guy who made now. the Mad Max movies and Babe. I mean, come on, <laughs> he can do anything. <laughs> he can make any movie. Give the man a romantic comedy for the love of God. Uh, you know, I don't. I do we have one. how many? How many? How many romantic comedies are out right now? Are they making those? So the problem with the romantic comedies right now um, is that. They don't translate well overseas. Well, there's that. And so studios, of course, are in the business of making money. Um, Pfft, reminder, reminder once again, kids, if, you're, if you ever wonder about the quality of the films you're getting in the theaters, remember that studios care about money. There are very few studios who want to grow, who have... They might have a division that focuses on this, and all power to them, because a lot of the big studios do have divisions that focus on smaller films, more mm-hmm. art house. You know, the kind of thing that, that is going to be designed to a 
play in 500 theaters. And sometimes mass. you can be like Axanar and get all this money and never make anything. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about the latest? Um, I heard they're supposed to be going into production again. They have now um, lost their corporate sponsor in Atlanta. Oh. Okay. And are getting ready. They've just kicked off, uh, I think, either a Patreon or a Kickstarter or something to try to raise money so they can get like four grand a month to cover being in the warehouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a warehouse, not a studio, Alec. Um, But this this is the same thing they ran into when they were in California, Mm -hmm. where they run out of money. And, you know, they get too big for their britches. They run out of money and then they have to leave the facility that they've put all this money into. And, uh, yeah, Carlos Pedraza posted over on axomonitor.com the latest. Uh, we, they still haven't shot any new material past uh, the the teasers that they did before to raise the and money. It's a, for it's the a real shame because I really, really liked what they had put out. And I would I love too. to and see the at least at least an expansion of the material they already have. I don't even need a feature out of them now. I well, just want I just the, want 30 minutes or Well, or, you can't get a feature out of them now. I know. Because, but I mean, you know, I, give me give me a 20-30 minute extended cut. They're or, supposed to be, be doing fantastic. they're supposed to be doing the 2-15 minute mm-hmm, films. Right, yeah. Which nobody nobody has heard anything about yeah, well, they're working on it. Mm. That's all we've heard. Um but it's those kind of things where where you know trust is a very big thing, yeah. Especially yeah. when you're getting into using other people's money right. for a project, and uh, you know that's one of the things. Even even with us, we talk about well, you know, what are we going to do? Because we're all volunteer, and we don't mm-hmm. have any we don't have anything. We even talked you know about bringing our Patreon account back. And we're not going to do that for reasons, <clears throat> but the the idea of, hey, give us money so we can do this thing, and then you don't use you don't use the money for the thing, you right. use it something yeah. else. At at what point do people decide that Alec Peters is selling them a bill of goods? I mean, not to not to get too far afield from from William Goldman, but you know we've got an hour to fill, so. <laughs> 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 and we digress some in this show. Oh, you may have noticed a couple of was, times. But that struck me this morning. Like, uh, why? I mean, because the set, the set for the Aries, the bridge set for the mm-hmm. Aries, it looks really good. Yeah, it looks great. And 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 Prelude to Axnar was great. Yeah, it was a fantastic piece. It was very well done. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm wondering if it was very well done, in spite of. Alec Peters being involved because I mean you look at the people the people that were involved you know mm-hmm. acting wise you know right. you, had, you had Gary Graham Richard Hatch J G Hertzler and, and Tony Todd and you know, all of these all of this talent mm-hmm. putting this project together and none of them are on it now and they're all distancing themselves very quickly and furiously and and I don't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. So what is the ne- what is the next iteration of of Axanar even going to look like? Yeah, if it ever even gets made, and I highly doubt it will. Well, and even 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 if you give him completely the benefit of the doubt, good intentions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mm. The fact is, the longer this goes on, yeah, there's no, the the harder it's going to get to get the thing made. I mean, even yeah. even if everybody involved was full of nothing. But the best intentions, and if, if there's just the more it drags out, the harder it is 
going to be to have this thing be what anybody wants it to be. Yeah, well, you know what they say about good intentions. Uh, there's a road. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's paved. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's not very straight and narrow. It's warmer there than it is here. <laughs> That's not saying much. <laughs> That's not a stretch at all. Uh, he also, uh, back to William Goldman. Yes. Mission Impossible 2. He wrote a script for it. They didn't use it. They didn't use it. No, but still. Uh, and I think that was his... We well, did uh, Butch, and, Butch and, and Sundance the early years. Right. He did the prequel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he wrote like uh, 14, 15 novels. Uh, four, no, 16 novels. Well, and his his memoirs, his, his notes about screenwriting mm -hmm. are still a heavy influence for a lot of people that, that do that kind of thing all the time. I own, and I could not find it for this. I, I wanted to bring it today when we were recording, but I could not find my copy of Four Screenplays, which is Marathon Man, Butch Cassidy, A Sundance Kid, Princess Bride, and Misery, mm. with an accompanying essay he, he wrote about writing and, oh, okay. and working on the films. Highly recommend this book. If you want to read a... I mean, because that's, you know, four very, very different scripts. Yeah. Uh, and very iconic scripts for the genre that they're playing in. I mean, especially when you consider the fact that, that something like Misery, which kind of made Kathy Bates a star. It did. Well, didn't she get an Academy Award nomination for I that one? she did. Or did she, did she win the Oscar for that, or did she... Uh, you know what? I honestly don't know. I can't remember. But, yeah, it's... Um, I think she did. She might have. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, again, a, a script for a f book that they said could not be made into a film. Mm -hmm. You couldn't film this. Yeah. And sometimes that's true... Um, I every I, as, as much as as much as I have a guilty pleasure fandom for uh, the David Lynch Dune, <laughs> it's because it, it's because it looks so interesting. It's just not a very good movie. And of course, it was Kyle MacLachlan's break, right? Um, and it was the first time American audiences got to meet Patrick Stewart. Sting was in that movie. Sting too. was in that movie, <laughs> and Sting shorts. <laughs> Speaking, a lot of, speaking of Dune, uh, for those of you who have not been keeping up, over on SciFiForMe.com, we do have uh, some articles posted there about the latest casting news because Dave Bautista mm -hmm. and Stellan Skarsgård have just been announced as part of that cast. Skarsgård are going to be playing Baron Harkonnen. Really? Have you not read your own material here? I have Tim been Mark? busy. <sighs> Yes, yeah, Stella Skarsgård, who a lot of you may know as uh, Eric, Dr. Eric Selvig in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, he was also Captain Tupolev mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in Hunt for Red October. Um, Who's Dave Batista playing? Dave Batista. Uh, one report said that they hadn't revealed it yet. Mm -hmm. One report said that he was going to be playing Harkonnen's nephew. Ooh, because there's two nephews of the Harkonnens. One is Fedor Atha, who Sting famously played, right. who is the, he's the pretty one. He's the one everyone likes, but he's just as much a monster mm -hmm. as his brother, Raban. And Raban is a big brute of a man. So if it's David, you know, People are speculating be, that yeah. it's Raban. I would, yeah, that'd be fantastic. He'd be great casting for it. Well, and and Bautista really has surprised me as an actor. He's a very good actor. Oh, he is. He, he does really well. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you, you think, oh, well, wrestler. But, I mean, they perform all the time when they're wrestling, but it's a little bit different thing. Oh, yeah, yeah and some, some, some wrestlers are not good, good actors. No. 
Hulk Hogan, had a very, very uh, successful film career. <laughs> or at least he, he was in films that made money. And they didn't cost a lot of money either. Well, see, now the thing but it is, though, Hulk Hogan was kind of playing Hulk Hogan. Hulk, some of these guys are performers. And, and the perform, who they play on in film is who they play on stage or in the ring or where the act is. Dave Bautista is an actor. Yeah. He's an actor who happened to be a wrestler. And um, I, I confess that I did not realize his range until... Um, Blade Runner 2049. Yep. I saw. Oh, what did I see? What did I see? Um, it was another another casting announcement for the next Jumanji. Um, Danny Glover is going to be in the third. There are three. It, this this will be the third <laughs> Jumanji movie. The sequel to Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle yeah. has added Danny Glover. And you have to wonder if they're gonna if there's going to be at least one predator joke in there. You know, I I was talking to somebody about why the the new predator film was so bad, and there's a number of reasons. But uh, I brought up that what that film needed to tie it all together and to make it work was mm. at the end, Danny Glover shows up, <laughs> and he looks at it and goes, "I I don't have time for this." <laughs> Get to over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then he just wipes them. <laughs> but no such luck. I think as we get, I I wonder about that because Glass is coming out this weekend. Mm-hmm. Glass is out now, and everybody was really, really, really shocked and awed and surprised that Split ended up being in that same universe mm-hmm. because up until you get to the end right yeah. it's not it, until that last scene it everybody goes oh right yeah yeah it's a sequel to unbreakable and it's got me wondering now because in this day and age of all of the reboots and the sequels and, and all that where in the landscape of filmmaking is there room for the unexpected sequel, the surprise ending that completely twists a franchise on its head and takes it in a, another direction. I mean, you've got the two Avatar movies that have been shot, uh, that apparently have wrapped production. Mm-hmm. So now they're in post-production. Um, you know, we've there's still rumors percolating about uh, another Alien movie. Oh, yeah. Or two, depending mm. on who who you're talking to. Um, are we are we oversaturated with franchises? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm was, sorry. Did I, say, a, did, did I did you say that too fast? <laughs> okay. So here's 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 my problem with franchises right now. And when you look at somebody like Goldman's work, there he wrote one sequel. He wrote a sequel to Heat. Well, and he did I'm the sorry, he, 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 uh, he did the well, yeah, but I mean, it's I mean, it's technically yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he uh, uh, he wrote a I'm sorry, he didn't not a not a sequel to Heat. He wrote a sequel to um, Marathon Man, Marathon Man, yeah. Yeah. right? And he really didn't do much in the way of sequels. I mean, yeah, he did a he did an un, unproduced um, uh, Mission Impossible script, but there's there's a thing that happens with sequels and and. 
having having recently been listening to uh, a recording that you were involved in for a show of ours that's coming out called uh, um, uh, Trailer Park. Oh, yeah. And a discussion that, that uh, will be part of that episode. Yes. Where you get so many of these things that are tied together so much mm-hmm. that you don't have room to breathe in terms right. of enjoying a film on its own or enjoying a story on its own. And I was reading today that DC has essentially given up on the idea of a shared universe entirely. That it is that they are just done. There may be films that connect to each other, but it's not going to be a we're telling a one big story like Marvel's doing. That they are going to sit there and go, okay, if they connect, they connect. But we're not. We we tried it that way. It didn't work for us. So we're going to have Joker and Birds of yeah. Prey and Shazam and they're and Aquaman and they're and Wonder Woman and they're not all going to be sitting in, tied into the same thing. Right. And two points that I would make to that. I do think I recall if I re- if I remember right, uh, Marvel's Kevin Feige basically saying that. After Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. after this phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is done, the next phase is going to be completely different in that regard. And I and I, I, I want to say I got the impression that the next chapter of the Marvel movies is not going to be all everything is connected as much as what we've had these last 10 years. And I think the other thing with DC deciding not to do it is they couldn't make it work because they did it wrong to start with. They they did it backwards. See, well, because see, you have to remember that Marvel went with all of these solo films mm-hmm. and then did Avengers, whereas DC had a couple of solo films and the sequel to the solo film suddenly became a, a, a big ensemble thing. And then Justice League. Right. And then, you know, we go out. And and they didn't give their franchise the the proper amount of time to, to grow, sure. to and breathe. Turn, and from what, from what I'm reading now, it turns like that with the original plan was to have the Man of Steel. I guess there was supposed to be three of them originally. Right. And it was not going to be connected to the DCEU. It was going to be like the Dark night series it was gonna be here's here's Zack snyder's three superman movies and then whatever dc wants to do with their justice league thing that's over here Mm -hmm. and oddly enough there was a a whole bunch of of interference going on from from dc down onto the production which well adding batman to that sequel was snyder's idea from all of the stories that we read where he said hey what if there was this giant giant you know the you you had the giant fake kryptonite that came into that meeting that one place mm -hmm. and but what the original plan was we're never going to see anyway i mean so it's been and for those of you who are still using the hashtag release the snyder cut give it up we're never going to see a snyder cut i would say never might not be it but it's not going to be anytime soon. Remember, we, remember we how get long the original Star Wars trilogy on Blu-ray, fully restored digitally, before we get a Snyder cut. I don't know that I would say that, but I would say this: Remember how long it took to get a Blade Runner's director's cut. Not about yeah. talking about the various versions. I mean, the quote-unquote director's definitive. Cut. Yeah. Remember how long that took. I know, and that was from a guy who had his hands on the material. 
Well, now for the Star Wars thing, Lucasfilm has their hands on the material, and a majority of it has been restored because they had they had to do the special editions. It's just the pieces that haven't been included in the special editions. That's all that's left yeah, well, to 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 clean up and and put back in there. Sure, but like I'm saying, I think I think I think it is possible that we will eventually get a Snyder cut, but but I'm not expect I'm ten ten fifteen years. Yeah. I'm going to say or at the earliest. I I'd love to be wrong. I'd be, for for all for all that there are issues with what Snyder was doing. He had an idea and he was trying to make it work and he was doing it. And I am always interested in seeing whether it's successful or not. When someone has a story they want to tell, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to see them complete it. I have there have been Joss Whedon things that I have really liked, and there's stuff that I have not. Did you see the ten year challenge that had Firefly, the the Firefly ten year no. challenge? <laughs> oh, no. On the left, yeah. Firefly. Yeah. On the right, a black screen. Oh, Firefly. Ten years oh, later. So, uh, is, speaking of ten, it's mean. Speaking of ten, I'm hurting inside now. I neglected. I, show. <laughs> I neglected to do something at the top of the show that I must hey, do now. You do need to do, do need to do that now. I do. I do. Do 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 All right. One of the reasons that we came back in January and not in March, like the original plan was, was because we picked up a sponsor. Our show is brought to you in part by SuperheroStuff.com. And right now, well, after after the show is done, not right now. Well, I guess you could open a second browser tab. That's right. Exactly. You can you go to SuperheroStuff.com. You're smart people. We like you. They have uh, they have all sorts of stuff: uh, DC, Marvel, uh, Godzilla, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, Star Trek, Do- Doctor Who, uh, Transformers, and whatnot. And uh, they have uh, we have made arrangements uh, with them to have a discount code. And if you go to superherostuff.com and you enter the discount code Sci-Fi for Me ten, you will get ten percent off your order. Uh, now, I have sent an email to them mm-hmm. to clarify and see if our discount code can be used in combination with other offers because they're having a big sale this weekend. Oh, sure. And I want to make sure that if our if they're using our discount code or they're using something else because they just had a big tw- they just had a big twenty percent off sale for all the Flash merchandise because of the Flash the Flash had an anniversary here this month. Um, so I am checking to see if our discount code can be used in combination with other offers or not. But if, you know, at the very least, if you go and you use that discount code sci-fi for me 10 at checkout, when you go to superherostuff.com, you will get 10% off. And I should have mentioned that at the top of the show and I forgot. I was distracted. I'm training people. So, Mm. you know, it's. You have you have that one thing that you forget to tell them, mm-hmm. and that's on me. But yeah, there we uh, go. I do need to make a clarification. We've been talking about heat. Uh-huh. We're talking about the wrong film, not the Michael Mann picture. The Burt Reynolds heat. Oh, yeah. There's a big difference, by the way. Yes. And I'm I was conflating the two, and that was wrong. That was your one mistake for the day. That was my one mistake. You're not allowed anymore. Damn it. Um. Well. I confess, I've never seen the Burt Reynolds heat. I have not seen it. I've seen 
commercials for it. Yeah. You know, promos for mm-hmm. it and whatnot. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, I haven't haven't uh, haven't seen that. Had that Karen w- Young in it though. Peter McNichol. Nineteen eighty six. Nineteen eighty six. That was toward the end of all of those vigilante films, you know, like the Charles Bronson type. Yeah, there's actually a uh, movies. I, I'm tempted to read this critic's review. Uh, Walter Goodman of the New York Times wrote in his review, So, you think Charles Bronson is the most lethal object on two two feet? (laughs) That's because you haven't seen heat. That can be read uh, in two ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it turns out you see see here you see yeah, there's the wild Jason cards, Statham. the yeah. Jason Statham thing. So so that's not a remake of this. That's not a remake of the De Niro. Right. This is a, it's a remake of this one. Yeah. This makes that makes much more sense. But yeah. So did did, did, did to clarify? Did you that. see uh, the Bruce Willis remake of that Bronson picture, uh, Death Wish? Did you see, did you watch that? I, I did, did not watch. I it. did not, and I'll tell you why. First of all, I don't think the first film is any good. The first Death Wish film worked because at that time, New York was in the middle of just a terrible crime situation. The city right. was filthy. I mean, there was there were so many things going wrong. I was, I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago about, or maybe even last week, about um, the subway systems in New York during that time period, how they were literally a place you could get killed hmm. and, and or, or find dead bodies, just people who had died. And you would like find their bodies in in the subway cars. People who just you know their heart had just given out. And and this was so so the what we look at now. I mean, New York has cleaned up immensely since then. Mm-hmm. And although the reason for the article I was reading is because they're having similar subway problems that actually were like, okay, guys, you know really? we fi- we were able to fix this stuff before. Yeah, we can fix it again. But. Um, so the, it it was in a, an exaggerated New York that actually existed for a little while that people had memories of or experience with, but it's not a good movie. And I'm sorry, guys, for for folks who are fans of the <laughs> Death Wish trilogy. Yeah, there was but there were three of the Charles okay. Bronson I think ones. So yeah, and they got progressively worse because I've seen the first two. I watched the second one in college uh, with some friends, and that's the only reason I saw it. Uh, but they are, they're they're revenge fantasies, okay? And a lot of, that's right. These kind of films are, but um, we've seen so many versions of that story that the idea of a new one with Bruce Willis playing that kind of character had no appeal to me. The biggest, most unbelievable part of the remake was bald Bruce Willis as a doctor. I mean, okay. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work for me because the casting of Bruce Willis in that role just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do a remake of Death Wish... Which you don't need to do. Which you don't need to do. But you're doing a Bronson picture. You put somebody in there like... Maybe a Harrison Ford type, mm. an everyman actor, Kurt mm-hmm. Russell, maybe, or um, the problem is that you keep waiting. You you would keep waiting for Kurt Russell to make a joke. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you would, and and of course, you probably would get that in the new screenplay. Well, the but... problem, the thing is, is that they those those bad jokes, a ton of bad exit lines for villains, was sort of a staple of the Death Wish films. Yeah. Or the Dirty Harry films. Dirty Harry at least. Dirty Harry at least 
had decent scripts. I'm sorry, the 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 scripts for the Death Wish, the first two Death Wish films, are awful. I'm sorry. I, I maybe they needed William Goldman's touch. I don't think he would have touched those because <laughs> well, you look at you look at the stuff he did right, and you yeah. look at a lot of them were character stories. A lot of them were even even the dramatic ones um, were a, they had core character building moments. Yeah. He was he was a character writer. I think uh, as we're as we're reaching the end of this here, because we are we're coming up on an hour. We are yeah. Uh, there were there was a couple things I wanted to read here that that people had written about his work, and I think that they uh, if you are a writer, if you want to be a screenwriter or you want to be a novelist, if you want to have um, uh, something to strive for, right? Um, the when IGN wrote a feature on him, they described his script for all the president's men as a model of storytelling clarity and artful manipulation. When you consider how much that story had to get across politics mm-hmm. and the newspaper industry and uh, just the machinations of, of business and all the things that go into that, this, this right. incredible story. Um, clarity is not something you necessarily think of, but he produced a script that won awards and made actors famous. Um, and uh, again, thinking about this, uh, Marathon Man, All the President's Men, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you know, uh, these are every every ten years or so. He wrote a script that became iconic. It became right. part of the culture. Right. Um, you know, he is uh, uh, Sean Egan uh, wrote a book about him called William Goldman, the Reluctant Storyteller. He said his achievements were made without ever lunging for the lowest common denominator. A lot of people need to take that lesson. Yeah. So there's something there's something about, and he was always critical of his own work. Yes, but he still managed to put out some stuff that that touched people. There are there are millions and millions of people who can quote the Princess Bride, and whose children were going to quote. There's a Deadpool reissue <laughs> that is Red essentially ripping. There's the only reason that joke works. Is because so many people love the Princess Bride. Yeah, and let that be your gateway. That's that's your gateway drug right there. <laughs> hey, hey, kid, you want some Princess Bride? That's how we hook you, As and that's and that's how we get you into some some really amazing films. Yes, and and on that side note, uh, we are going to be posting an interview that I did with Chris Jackson from Planet Comic Con uh, that I talked to him uh, this past mm-hmm. Thursday at Carrie Elway's and Chris Sarandon. Yeah. are both going to be at Planet Comic-Con this year for the 20th anniversary show. So. You got to interview Carrie Elways a few years I ago. I did, yes. And is that on our... Is I that, honestly I'd don't know. I have to look. I don't know that it... I don't know that we that we have that on there. So, all right. Well, um, I know we've got several pieces of video on our YouTube channel that you can look a couple at. Couple of three. Uh, a couple of three. So, yeah, um, uh, feel free to look at those. And um, that's going to do it for us here. I want to thank our sponsor, SuperheroStuff.com. Remember, yeah. Sci-Fi for Me 10 at checkout. You get 10% off. And what are we going to talk about next week? 
See, we actually had a plan for a little I bit, know. right? <laughs> and it's all gone off the rails. Uh, well, I, like I, we, we had a couple of we had a couple of other things that kind of that kind of crossed my my desk a while back, and I think I put it into. I imagine we'll come up with something. We do. We will. Yeah. So we will be back next Saturday at ten. Sometime over the weekend, we will be posting our first installment of the trailer park, mm-hmm. which is another new show that we're doing here. And then, of course, we've got. Uh, tartar sauce, more right. episodes yep. of tartar sauce that's, that's on the way, and more shows rolling out in February and March. Right. We've just gotten started, folks. All right, that's wow. going to do it for us. Thanks very much for joining us. My name is Jason Hunt. I am Timothy Harvey. And we will be back next week with another edition of the H2O podcast. Thanks. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.